Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we're going to talk about how to be the most effective witness possible to your friends. Yeah. Yeah. So before that, though, it's joke and story time. And, and or story time. Okay. I think not you a, should tell a story and a joke. <laughs> I'm not a one man show. Oh, okay. And I only have so many things to say. I got to parcel it off a little bit for All right. episodes. All right. Space it out so we yeah. can do this for at least another month. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> All uh, right, you got a story? Yeah, talking about we talked about friendship last time, and now we're talking about witnessing two friends. Yeah. And so this story is about my best friend, my brother Tim. Okay. And uh, for a spell, we moved up here when I was like 15. And uh, less than a year after that, my brother moved up here, I think, him and his wife. Somewhere around there. Somewhere around there. Yeah, it was right around a year. Sure and, was. Yeah, and they moved away again. A year a, later. About a year later, yeah. Yep. Uh, couldn't take the couldn't take the rain. It's fine. No, not everyone can. <laughs> totally fine. Uh, they went back to Colorado. So, uh, but Tim's my best friend. He's a uh, he's eight years older than I am, um, but you could say he has a young mind. And so we <laughs> <laughs> we got along real great uh, for my whole life. And uh, anyway, so uh, we were he worked at the the church's um, auto shop up and running, and. Uh, Pretty cool concept. We did uh, auto repair services for uh, working poor, um, low discretionary income yeah. families, single moms, military, things like that. Tim actually established the shop, got all the equipment, set the shop up, and then opened it up and got our first year going. So he did a great job. Yeah, and it was really cool. Uh, but between my freshman and sophomore years, uh, over the, that summer he was here, I believe, maybe – yeah, it had to have been that one because I had jobs the rest of the summers. But uh, – for this particular summer, my only job was to assist, quote unquote, oh, Tim right. in his shop. Yeah, and so <laughs> I got paid uh, ten dollars a day, I think, uh, just by you, by my dad, just for for out of the that was kindness my way of to your keep heart. Busy, yeah, like yeah. ten bucks a day, huh? Is that what it was? I think so. Which for me wasn't bad because my whole allowance growing up it was twice your age once a month. Uh, up until you were 15, because at that point you could get a job, and, they, and you guys said it didn't increase anymore. You were kind enough to give me an allowance at Look all. Look at you remembering our financial formulas. Well, I, I had to know them. I was saving. <laughs> I had plans. Uh, anyway, so uh, it was great just to goof off with my brother every day. But um, uh, and we had it was it was a very fun summer. But uh, one day we were going. We go to Taco Bell a lot just because you know it's right down the road. Yeah, and, uh, and a cheap lunch and a cheap lunch. You can and still have eight of your dollars from the day. Yeah, maybe. Um, and uh, we were going through the, to the drive-through, and uh, this is the one. If you're from, if you're around here, the one by the O'Reilly Auto Parts, just right down on Capitol. And um, oh, it's we, actually Tumwater, then, huh? That one? No, this one right here. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, the Auto Parts down there is um, oh Cooper Point. Yeah, yeah. The one that I think you're thinking of um, O'Reilly's mm-hmm. or or not? I mean, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Anyway, and so we're in line and we look, and there's this. Um, uh, white plastic trash bag because there's some dumpsters down this little alleyway, and this trash bag that looks like a dead body. It's it's like about five and a half feet long, mm-hmm. slopes down and then peaks at the very end, like like its feet are pointing right up. Mm. And so we're just staring there at this thing in disbelief. Like, should we call the cops? There's but but it's like it's it was in such plain sight. 
that there's no way it was. You know, it's that it's that kind of thing. It's like there's no I, way it could I be. I say a dead the body. best way to 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 hide is to hide in plain sight. Did you just leave a body in a plastic bag in a parking lot? Did you guys go check? No. I, and, and I'm struggling. I should have thought about this before I told the story because I can't remember the resolution. I think uh, we either uh, investigated further and it was a pl- it was a trash, or someone came and moved it. But I remember knowing that it was trash by the time we moved on. So you didn't leave Taco Bell wondering, right? Did we just leave a dead body sitting over there, right? Not even care. Yeah. So it was not a dead body, but it was just it was a, a heck of a time. Um. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And then you would wonder, you know, did Taco Bell kill him? You know, is that somebody <laughs> right. that ate some Taco Bell? Because it'll, I I love Taco Bell, but mm-hmm. it does not love me. No, I don't know if it could kill a person. Probably not. Maybe, but it was. It's uh, death by Taco Bell. Yeah, that exactly. would be. Uh, you know, I've always <laughs> thought of you know, death. Yeah, Taco Bell. Taco Bell. I've always thought of you know all the ways to die, mm-hmm. and the ways that would be the worst way to die. And um, you know, I want to die by pleasure. <laughs> that guy just laughed so hard he fell over dead you know kind of thing yeah i that'd be tough because it's like it's like when someone dies on vacation over a holiday oh it's that's like, no good well right but that's what i'm saying that person was having a good time before they died but that the the survivors are scarred uh, but, you know but you know you're gone so what do you care right but then they're like hey this is the joke that killed my buddy you, <laughs> <laughs> you want to hear a good one <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it was a great summer, great memories. Um, and yeah, still my best friend. We just don't see each other as much. We talked about that more last time. Yeah. If you missed that, then uh, yeah, go listen to our friendship episode. All right, so so let's kick off today's conversation. We're talking about how to be the most effective witness possible for your friends, assuming that you have some friends um, that are either marginal in their faith or maybe not sure what they believe, or perhaps they've uh, got some deep convictions that are non- um, Christian, sure. So they, it, they put it broadly. Yeah. yeah, they may be they're agnostic or maybe they're even atheists, um, and and they're your friends. And mm-hmm. man, I would encourage you if you're. That brings up a point I hadn't thought of talking about. But if you don't have any friends like that, that's probably a problem. So, <laughs> um, you know, Jesus. This is one thing I love about Jesus. I think this is effective part of the witnessing conversation too. Mm-hmm. Is uh, the worse people's lives were, the more they loved being around Jesus. Prostitutes, tax collectors, you know, people who were social rejects loved, I mean loved hanging out with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think a Christian, I keep having this idea that someday you know, there's going to be a party going on in Olympia somewhere with a bunch of pagans. And somebody's going to go. Man, this party sucks. We need some Christians on up in here. <laughs> I, I love the idea. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's ever going to happen. Well, it should happen. It should. It really should, and it breaks my heart that it doesn't. Mm-hmm. In fact, it break, what breaks my heart is not that that doesn't happen, because that, that is a crazy idea. But what what breaks my heart is that the opposite of that happens. Right. Man, I hope there aren't any Christians there. Right. That'll be a real wet blanket on this party. Yeah, a friend walks in who you know is a Christian, and, and everyone kind of like, yeah, yeah, hushes down. <laughs> um, I have, because I've heard, I've heard you say that before about Jesus being like the life of the party and stuff, mm-hmm. and I've heard mm-hmm. other people say that. And uh, um, I don't know if I agree if that's why he was so popular. Well, I don't they, think that's why he was popular. Well, no, I don't. I don't know if that's why every, all those people flocked to him. Because mm. it seemed to me that he, 
he doesn't make a whole lot of jokes, really, in in any of the Gospels. Oh, I think he's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, when he uses the example of, uh, you know, you got a speck of sawdust in, in your oh, friend's yeah. eye and you got a beam hanging out of your eye. I mean, that's pretty funny. Yeah. And I, I'm sure a lot of it's con- like cultural, contextual. Yes, very much that so. That I wouldn't be able to pick up on. Yeah. But, um, it seemed to me that the draw was that uh, was the hope, yeah. And uh, and every, every, part, everyone here is so dead that yeah. That, and he's so alive, yeah. But um, well, but, and they felt uh, like the woman at the well, mm-hmm. you know, has got five former husbands and she's shacking up with a boyfriend now, and she feels from Jesus love from a man that is altruistic and pure, probably for the first time in her life. Yeah, here's a man who doesn't want to use me, doesn't want to abuse me. Doesn't care uh, my trail. He just loves me. Mm-hmm. I think that was probably the irresistible thing. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. I actually, I was going to talk about the not having any um, pagan friends because I don't. So that that is convicting, actually. I uh, mm-hmm. don't anymore. In high school, I had a, a, a lot just by merit of, like we talked about last week, being, you know, kind of sure. trapped with these people. And it's not that I don't on purpose. Because I mean, and and it wasn't an issue of trapped was the was the negative word. Because I I really the, the, they're they were great friends at the time, and the only reason I'm not friends with them anymore is because I fell out of context. Yeah, so, space and distance, whatever. Yeah, and then going to Northwest Christian campus, um, there were definitely people there who weren't Christians, but they weren't going to talk about it. It was kind of you know clandestine. Sure, sure. So uh, that's yeah, you a, know, it does occur yeah. to me there was one party where Jesus was kind of a turd in a punch bowl. <laughs> And that's the Pharisees. The Pharisees when he's at their dinner. Oh man, he's yeah. like, uh, "Hey, let me ask you a question. <laughs> let me tell you a story." Mm-hmm. And it's like, "Oh no, Jesus has another story." Here we yeah. go. Uh, so those were pretty rough. So let's get let's get going. Yeah. I think I think the cool part that we just stumbled in through there is that uh, maybe the most effective part of your witness is the joy in your own heart and the love mm-hmm. with which you can that people can feel like yeah you genuinely care about people you genuinely love people well when i was in high school so they were uh primarily these two buddies i have i have one really good friend who i'm still friends with out from uh high school and he was already a christian at the time uh but these these two uh buddies who had known each other when I'm, we moved here halfway through freshman year so the like more than half of the classes had known each other from the school district the tomwater school district since you know grade school and the other ones who didn't had already met each other in the beginning of that year. Mm. So, and that I wasn't already that um, outgoing and was kind of sad at the time. I didn't make friends for a little while because, yeah. you, know, every, you know, it was kind right. of a, a wall. But these two had known each other for a long time. And uh, they were uh, a hoot. I met them in my sophomore English class. Uh, really, really funny. And um, anyway, one of them, uh, he... Uh, really tough with his dad his dad had been in prison for a long time for selling uh, cocaine i think mm-hmm. and uh and but he had and he was a christian his mom was a christian so he had gone through to church for a while recently decided he didn't believe any of it uh but he was still doing uh audio stuff for their church mm. so it was kind of a weird thing where it's like i, I didn't right. feel the need to tell him things because he was had already heard it once and was probably hearing it every wednesday or whenever he helped with audio um and two i kind of chickened out i didn't really want to have like a, a blatant conversation about it and strategically i don't know if i should have in the first place i, I feel like it's kind of more of a wait till i ask type thing yeah <clears throat> um so anyway basically every single uh day for lunch uh me and that guy because the other guy was in a few of my classes but this guy 
uh, would at the Tomato Library, we would eat lunch in the library, which over the course of the years became not allowed, but we did anyway, and the librarians were very nice, and they would let us. Um, and uh, just laugh at stuff. And eventually, uh, my senior year, came back from the summer, and he had rededicated his life to Christ. Really? Yeah. And I didn't communicate with him outside of school at all, so I didn't talk to him all through the summer. Right. Um, and so... Obviously, I, I would like to think that merely by being his friend, him knowing I'm a Christian and the way I conduct myself helped. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the guy goes was going to church all the time. So uh, I can't really say if, if whether or not that worked. I would say in some ways a guy being a guy like that being in church all the time is actually mm-hmm. uh, worse. You think so? Yeah, I think, I think being around church when you're completely unplugged from it actually can inoculate you. And just and kind of make firm, you, yeah, firm make you, you almost uh, uh, a sar- uh, sarcastic or a cynic. Sure. So <clears throat> this is a question. You know, you're you're wondering should I have should I have had an overt witness? And yeah. When you think of being a witness to your friends, does that mean in, instinctively to you sharing the gospel with them so that they could make a decision? Is that part of that witness to you, or is it? Well, I guess that that's a better question for you because I'm not entirely sure if you if you were to define witness in in this in this big question. Yeah. How do you say it? Well, I think there's some categories of thought that my mind goes to with mm-hmm. this question. How can I be a great witness to my friends? And I think um, there's uh, there's a nuance that would help aim the strategy at the time. So, for example, mm-hmm. um, is my friend. Um, are we talking about just in the everyday rhythm and role of life? Uh, is my friend in pain? Is my friend in sin? Hmm. Uh, if you have a friend, you know, you're married. Several of your friends are married, and more of them are getting married. If you have a friend who's cheating on his wife, mm-hmm. you know, there's a context there where now the question takes on a little bit of different nuance. How can I be a good witness to my friend who's breaking his vow and sneaking around on his wife? Sure. Um, the question of what's going on in your life. And so I think there's a lot of nuance there. And, and so what I instinctively think about the share the gospel part is that there is the right time for that. Hmm. And I think that it's wise to wait for that time. Now, there are other people who they lead with that. That's their thing. They talk <laughs> yeah. about it all the time. They yeah. are, they, man, they want their salesmen. They want to close the deal. And I don't mean that in a negative way. That's success to them is closing the deal. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to go one more day without knowing Jesus. I don't want to risk that you're going to get hit by a bus and enter into eternity without God the day before I was going to tell you. Sure. <laughs> so, uh, you know, for some people, that's a big, compelling mm-hmm. edge. When I think about witnessing to my friends, that is not what comes to my mind. Right. What comes to your mind then? What comes to my mind is relationship. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the research is that 95% of people who have a relationship with God entered into that relationship through a significant relationship that helped them find their way there. Yeah. It's only 5% who had a cold call witness knock at their door or they read a book or they were on a hike in the mountains and they fell to their knees and asked God to, you know, or they went to jail. I have a friend who did this. He went to jail. There was a Gideon Bible in the jail cell. Mm -hmm. He didn't know who this Gideon dude was, but he started reading his Bible. Then he thought Gideon might cut him for stealing his Bible. (laughs) Uh, And and just by reading the Bible, he came to faith all by himself. Hmm. So those things happen. But 95% is a huge percentage. If we we knew that 95% of the time people who do this don't have cancer anymore, 
we would put all our energy behind that. Right. And that's the way I view relationships. 95% is a huge number. So uh, that's where I put all my confidence in the witness is the relationship. So then you brought up actually kind of not the crux of this particular issue, but a big, a huge problem, especially I'd say as you, maybe even a bigger problem for um, already Christian friend groups, male friend groups, say, um, you know, if everyone there is struggling with sexual sin, how do you hold each other to, you know, accountable for sexual sin? Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. And in more of a secular context, the um, uh, love the sin or hate the sin thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, you become great friends with a, a gay man. He gets married and invites you to his wedding. Do you go to the wedding? You know, it's just kind of uh, moral pitfalls. Yeah, know? those those are certainly landmines. And I think we should separate that okay. as a separate podcast because I think that's a lot to unpack is uh, how do I navigate um, controversial sin questions with my friends, whether they're Christians or not. Sure. I think that's a really powerful conversation all by itself. The short story for me is your sin is your responsibility, and my life is my responsibility. So if I'm going to bear my responsibility, it is to love God with everything I've got mm-hmm. and to love you the way I love myself. Um, there's no sin exposure in that conversation. Jesus said these are the two laws. Right. Love God like crazy. Love people like crazy. And so uh, revealing your sin to you, confronting your sin, is not my inherently first job. If The closer we have a relationship, you know, you're my son. Mm-hmm. So whether you believe in Jesus or not, you start cheating on your wife. I'm going to jump in the middle of that because of our relationship. Sure. Okay, so then more practical – uh, youngest of five, and I am the the uh, negative way to say it is I'm the goody two shoes of the five, <laughs> and so uh, I'm very used to walking into a room and everyone kind of going, oh, "We can't talk about what we were talking about anymore." Oh, the, uh, really? You feel like that happens? Oh to you? my goodness, constantly. Really? Yes. Not not so much now that I'm older. Uh, now they're more okay. No, you're talking um, about your siblings. Alone, my siblings then. alone. Specifically. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, not through my whole life. Um, though it did, even with um, early on with my friends at Northwest, it was that way. I don't know if it was because I was a pastor kid's kid or what. But, uh, yeah, we'd be – family would be over for Christmas or Thanksgiving. Towards the end of the night, we're talking about, um, you know, uh, like a, abortion or something. We're, we're talking about something um, political or something, and, and they know I feel different than they do. And, and Tina, my very, very sweet middle sister, would say, oh, let's not talk about this in front of Jonathan. And I was like 17. Really? Yeah. Wow. So uh, that, I never knew that was happening. And that, I felt that uh, with, um, in a group of secular friends. This happened again when I was at uh, SPS yeah. uh, for a year, the community college nearby. Um, and uh, came good friends with this group of stoners in my, in my Japanese class. And uh, they were hilarious too, but they definitely would not, um, you know, they didn't want to talk about certain things with me. And it was just kind of a reality of the relationship. So how do you navigate holding yourself to a standard that might keep you from certain yeah uh, like say they they joke in a certain way or mm-hmm. use certain language and not that you know you know that's a whole other thing but how do you maintain your um your your beliefs really and and not alienate yourself from those friends well and 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 that would be the thing of sometimes your lifestyle like for example if you're not lacing your conversations with profanity and they all do 
Mm-hmm. There'll be times where uh, when I would go play golf, I would I would be with just me and one person or even by myself, and the course would put you with people so that there's four on every group. Mm-hmm. And um, I would be playing golf with guys who are just letting the profanity fly. Sure. And I'm not. And by the ninth or tenth hole, they have now realized I don't use profanity. And so I, it's interesting to see how different guys respond to that. Some take it up to a whole nother level, uh, just as a proven a point or something. Right. Others just don't change a thing, and others start to back off their language because they want to be considerate. Mm-hmm. Um, how the thing that I try to always do when I'm flying on a plane and the person next to me asks me what I do for a living, if I don't want the conversation to go on any further, I say I'm a pastor, and boy, it shuts it down. <laughs> but if I feel like talking, I will avoid the question. I'll say something like, well, I'm in the human development business, or hmm. I, uh, I help people figure out uh, the best solutions to life's problems, or I'll, you know, I'll, I'll couch a phrase somewhere sure. and try to not use the word pastor, and uh, because as soon as I do, the, the conversation's over. Yeah, it's done. And so uh, the fact that the conversation is over is really not my problem, but I, but I want to work around it as much as I can. Um, I was an air traffic controller for a while, and, you know, there's only two kinds of air traffic controllers, mm-hmm. uh, crazy, crazy drunks and <laughs> radical Christians. And, really? Yeah. And they outnumber about six to four on the crazy drunk side. Hmm. And uh, those guys would start to distance themselves from me as my faith became obvious or my uh, my goody two-shoes life, right? Sure. But over time, as I would get the opportunity i mean you're in a work environment they can't leave (laughs) (laughs) right and so i can can just go so far yeah and i could just demonstrate over time Mm -hmm. my love for them my commitment to their good my conscientious and generous thoughts toward them uh offering to to work their positions they can take a break um finding any way i could to just communicate without words um you matter to me Mm -hmm. and it would it would most of the time penetrate through that Hmm. so then uh, say not that there's a time limit short of, you know, us dying, but, uh, say you're in a relationship like that for a very long time, mm-hmm. years and years. Uh, I don't have any like this, but a coworker of mine at, at uh, Mud Bay, he's a Christian and he's had, uh, friends from before he was a Christian, uh, up until now where it's been, you know, a decade. Yeah. Um, and they still aren't, they're still good friends and, and his friends aren't reconsidering anything. Yeah. Uh, so what do you, is there, do you just keep you just keep doing you or well i think the the scripture says to to uh be ready be instant in season and out of season to offer a reason for the hope that you have in your within you so um uh another is you know is to um monitor your time because time is critical and Hmm. and the days are evil so i think there's something about watching for the right opportunity Sure. And so it's going to come. If you've known someone a decade, they've hit a wall somewhere. Mm-hmm. Somebody died. Uh, they're getting married. Uh, some significant event. I think life transition events are the perfect time to start sharing a faith conversation. Uh, you're having your first child. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just got fired. Um, your parents divorced. There's going to be life scenarios, and people are most open to a faith conversation in the middle of a transition. Sure. And so you wait for those. And when they come, you've got to take advantage of them. And that's where you do take that little risk and go, hey, man, um, I, we've never talked about this directly before, but I'm curious where you think God is in the middle of your pain or what you think God might be trying to do in the middle of 
this scenario or, uh, you know, just kind of inserting the, the presence of God in that situation. Sure. So you have a, a phrase. I don't think you coined it, but you use it a lot. And it's um, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Yeah. Um, and uh, just the point being that who your friends are does affect you um, and that you should respect the, that reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, how does that factor into to this where, where it's important to maintain relationships, uh, secular relationships, um, but they do affect you as a person? How do you manage that? Yeah, I think that um, there was a phrase about Jesus that he entrusted himself to no man for he knew what was in men. And so Jesus had this ability to love everybody like crazy, but he entrusted his heart to no one. I mean, only the Father could really do for his heart what he needed. Right. Um, that's a radical thing, and he's Jesus. But I think the right. point the point is that um, that I need I need I do need a a certain tipping point of friends mm-hmm. who are Christ followers who can help me stay calibrated. Um, okay. But I would never, not never. I would. I. It would take a lot for me to end a relationship because of the, because of the pagan nature of the friend. I have other people who say you should cut off all those relationships, and I just don't believe that. Well, not not just that they don't believe what you believe, but yeah. if they're you know leading a, just a a volatile lifestyle. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that that's a challenge. I want to I want to introduce an idea to you that um, mm-hmm. I'm really captivated with lately. It's a movement going on. I, I don't remember, you know, how it started, but this idea is really sweeping across the country as a way to help us have a simple plan on how to be an effective witness to our friends. Hmm. Um, you know, we use the word oikos around Evergreen a lot because yeah. um, we believe that that God has given you a mission field and you don't have to go looking for it. Like, it's already in your traffic pattern. In fact, mm-hmm. we would say that God supernaturally and strategically has placed eight to 15 people right in your traffic pattern, and he's entrusting you to love them as Jesus would. And so um, those people are in in there, and you have influence with them. They're your friends. They're coworkers. They are neighbors. But you have a, an opportunity to serve them. <clears throat> and the acronym is BLESS. Like, your job is to bless these people. And so... Um, if you walk through the acronym, I, I love this as a way to witness to my friends. It's a broad deal. So the first one is to believe in prayer. Mm. You just really believe for them in prayer. So like, if you have friends that aren't Christians, even the ones that are, but in this case, we're talking about friends who are not believers, uh, the most incredible thing you can do for them is pray for them. Put them on a prayer list and call their name to God every single day. Mm. Uh, and when they start to go through things, believe God for the opportunity to share faith with them. Believe God to reveal himself to them. Believe God to insert himself in their dreams. Believe God to use their pain and their prosperity and their trials and their friendships to find their way to him. Like just believe in prayer for them is a huge deal. Yeah. And I would say, you know, one of the things I have to confess is I don't do that very often. Sure. Well, th- uh, what's the rest of the acronym? So then L is listen. And if you listen well, I mean, you're a great listener, John, but most of my friends are not, and I'm a terrible <laughs> listener. And But when you really shut your mouth and listen, I try to tell myself all the time, uh, God gave me two ears and one mouth so I would listen twice as much as I talk. Mm. <laughs> uh, but when you listen and really listen, listen to the nuance, watch the nonverbal communication, 
people will tell you what they care about, uh, what's going on in their world. They will open their lives to you if sure. you'll listen. And so listen and listen well. Listen, listen with a discerning ear. Um, so that's the L. The E is eat. That's my favorite. Uh, there's so much power in just breaking bread together, having meals together. It's an incredibly uh, disarming and uniting sure. kind of thing. And then the first S is serve. You, you just serve them. When they have a need, jump in and meet it and to be a servant to them. And then the last S is to share your stories. So when they're going through that transition, right. you talk about when you went through a transition and how God showed himself to you in that transition. Yeah. Or what helped you get through this in yours or I, you know, this, you know, but when it's appropriate, share your story. Hmm. So um, I have some, some more questions then on, because I don't have a ton of, uh, I don't have questions born out of my current scenario because again, I don't have non-Christian, uh, friends. non-Christian friends. Uh, would you have advice on how I might go about getting those. <laughs> well, I not think, like, yeah, not like it's Pokemon or so I'm going to go out right. there and, and catch them. But well, you happen to be in a new work environment where you've got some people working with you and you're not sure what their face compass, faith compass. Is. I am. I am aware of the company's faith stance, which yeah. is, which is Christian. So it's, yeah. that is again, is another kind of Northwest thing yeah. where yeah. I'm not, there's a layer there that, of, uh, that I have to navigate. Yeah. Um, you live in an apartment complex surrounded by people. I don't know if you know any of them by name yet, but that's a great opportunity. Hmm. Um, I remember uh, last winter, your parking lot was just obliterated with snow. Yeah. And gross. I mean, it was days before some of those people could move their cars. Yeah, it was intense. Well, if they come out and see you sweep, sweeping the snow off their car and cleaning the car, you, there's an instant conversation. Helping somebody shovel behind their car so they can get their car out. There's just opportunities that will present themselves where even if you don't know them, you can start with the serve. You start with that first S. I'm going to serve them. Sure. Um, and be praying, Lord, you put me in this apartment complex. I'm surrounded with 400 of, of my future closest friends. <laughs> right. Uh, help me meet them. Help me find a way to introduce myself to them. So part of this is having a real goal in your life to be a good witness. You also have people that you um, shop with. If you if you go to the same place, like you were a, you were a barista for a while at Mud Bay. Mm-hmm. So you're around customers of all kinds there. True. So there's going to be opportunities arise. I have a friend who he refuses to pay for his gas at the pump. He goes oh, to the wow. same gas station every time, and he walks in to pay so that he can get to know those people uh, there. I frequent hmm. the same McDonald's. I had I developed a friendship with a gal at McDonald's uh, a couple years ago. Um, I was in there three mornings a week, and she mentions one day, you know, where do you work? I said, I work over at Evergreen. And she said, oh, I walked through your parking lot because I lived in the apartments back oh, there. Oh, nice. I said, well, you ought to come in someday. She says, well, I don't think I could do that. I said, why? She said, the place might cave in. <laughs> I said, why? She said, well, I'm a sinner. I said, well, the whole place is full of sinners. Mm-hmm. She said, well, I've had a baby out of wedlock. I said, that's all you got? <laughs> I said, you need to pop in there. Well, then after the next week or two, you know, she says, hey, I've been watching online. I said, well, come on in. Mm-hmm. Then she's pregnant. And so we're talking about her pregnancy and expecting this baby. Yeah. She ends up coming to church, gives her heart to Christ. Her baby is born with a, a congenital heart disease. Oh, no. Has now had multiple heart surgeries. The church wrapped themselves around her, donated thousands of dollars to her, just people giving money. Sure. So that she could stop working for a while and take care of this baby. 
she is a deeply in love with Jesus, transformed person. Because I ate at McDonald's. That's why I keep going to McDonald's. <laughs> right. That's the, the one and only reason. That's the principle, you yeah. know, is that, uh, that I'm, I'm legitimizing my McDonald's yeah. problem. <laughs> but okay. that's, I mean, it just started with me just being there all the time and yeah. remembering her name, talking to her every week, you know, every time I'd go in there and she's working. How's your How's your life going? She had tats. I, I love it when I meet people with tattoos because mm-hmm. I'll say, which one's your favorite? Which one means the most to you? And they all want to tell you. So they'll show you the one. Well, this is for this thing. They got a story sure. attached to it, and it's really fun. That's awesome. Okay, I've got another big question relating to last week's. But first, we're going to do a, a brief commercial break. Okay, you want to take it away? Yeah. So um, I have a. I had. A, I had an idea, John. We didn't even talk about this before you. Uh, before we got together today, I had this idea. So I'm going to do it, and we'll just see how it goes. Okay. So um, we're Made on. Me a, nervous. Yeah, we're on a quest to really ramp this up and. Um, frankly, we've been dragging our feet a little bit. It's been hard to get get moving. We've, we've got these podcasts going, and we're having a blast doing that. Mm-hmm. But we want to do some writing. We want to we want to grow the influence of this podcast, and so we need more time devotion to it. So the way you can help us with that is two things. First, believe in prayer for us, man. We would covet your prayers, please. That this would this would gain traction, and we would know exactly what to do. Uh, the second is if you want to be our partner, you can you can go to our website, jimandjohn.com. And no H in John, JimandJohn.com, and you can see more about what we're doing there, who we are, and there's a link on there for Patreon where you can become an actual monthly supporter as low as a dollar a month. So consider that. But here's the deal I want to do. I'd love to hear from some of our listeners. And so I'm going to offer that if you will email us at info at JimandJohn.com and you will... Um, Tell us something that's meaningful going on in your life, somehow that the podcast contributed to you, or a subject you would like us to talk about, or a curiosity question you have about either one of us. Everyone who sends out an email, we will pick the best one, and we will send you a free copy of The Pursuit. We've had a new reprint done, and so the books are really nice. They're spiral-bound, sturdy. It's a great little—and it'll be just in time for you to give it as a Christmas gift to someone if you already have a copy of The Pursuit. This makes a gift you could give to someone and re-gift. Uh, but if you'll email us, we will take, let's see, today, we will say that on October 1st, we will draw a winner from all who've emailed us, and that winner will get a copy of The Pursuit. That's awesome. Talk about also with, with friends. This is a good way to, you know, hopefully re-engage, and, and that's the whole point of The Pursuit is, is to is to reconnect to to basic uh, biblical Christianity. Yes. Yeah. So you could have a person, you could say, hey, you know, I listen to this podcast called Upstream with Jim and John. I won this book on the podcast, and I'd like to give it to you as a gift. It's a great way to do that. That's awesome. That's yeah. good thinking. Yeah. So th- so there you go. That's our that's our commercial break. Yeah. Okay. So my question, uh, last week we talked a lot about um, genuine friendships and uh, and, you know, the just the challenges of adult friendship in in modern western culture uh that sounds to me even more we t- we talked a little bit about um you know about uh initial platforms of intimacy so christians have a an initial little bump there cuz you're like oh we both believe roughly the same thing how would you go from i see these people at you know mcdonald's coffee shop you know twice a week how do you go from there to I'm having because because you, you have actual impact in these people's lives, but more of a long term relationship, mm. um, and um, 
Not that there's any subterfuge to it, but but you know, planting what, yourselves. What, in what their word line. did you just use? What'd you Sub- call me? <laughs> subterfuge. What in the world does that mean? Like spy stuff, like espionage. Oh, subterfuge. Yeah. So like, I didn't, like not that you're trying to be sneaky. But Every how do you... episode, I learn a new word from you, man. I, I'm serious. I'm grateful for that. Well, I'm, I don't do it on purpose, but I'm glad that that's you awesome. appreciate it. Subterfuge. Subterfuge. That comes from... Uh, that means espionage or... Yeah, there's a really cool jazz song that has the, the word in it. That's the only reason I know. Oh. Um, okay, so I'm sorry. I lost, no, I lost your question. It's all good. So the word, yeah. So putting yourselves in people's lives... Yes. Uh, for, for the long haul. Yeah. How do you... I don't know if there's really like a one-two step you could you could help me with, but it, I'm, I'm having barriers there in my... Um, ideation of it well let me see if i'm if i'm smelling what you're stepping in so okay <laughs> uh, i think that if you have a relationship with someone so that you can share christ with them and that's the only reason you have that relationship that's inherently offensive sure so i don't recommend that and there, there are people who do that you know hey i'm gonna it's, but i feel like that's like you trying to get me into amway or something <laughs> you know you're my friend until you make your pitch yeah and then when I say no, you're not my friend anymore. Right, then you're out. I hate that. Yeah. And so, man, I, I just I just could not campaign hard enough. Don't be that guy. Okay, well then to spin it the right way, because you're right, that, that is yeah. uh, kind of icky. Yeah. Um, how would you get past barriers in um, belief, conflict in belief? So a person who is staunchly against religion, as is mm-hmm. fairly common among um, youth in this in this region, how do you get past that to just be people next? You know, in a relationship. Yeah, I, well, I think that um, unless they cannot have a relationship, unless you agree with me, and there are people mm-hmm. like that, like, dude, I'm not going to be your friend unless we see the world the same way. Well, then you're probably not going to be able to be their friend. Sure, but that's not who I am, and I don't think that's who Christ followers should be. So, I want to be your friend. There's a great guy who's a super good example of this named Bob Goff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bob Goff is awesome. And I forget the name of – Love Does. Love Does. That's his first book, Love Does. And it's it's perfect for this conversation, I think, if we're talking about the same thing. And uh, his second book is even better. Um, But, uh, man, I just want to be your friend. And why does the way you see the world – that's like, can I – I'm a Seahawks fan. Can I be friends with a Cowboy fan? <laughs> well, I hope so. And, sure. Uh, so I, I'm really a little bit lost on what that hurdle actually is unless they say – like, for example, someone might be I – have, I have friends who are gay. Mm-hmm. And I also have friends who don't want to be my friend who are gay because they think that since I, since I won't say – that um, same-sex sexual practice is okay with God, because I won't say that, uh, they feel like they can't be my friend, Hmm. that I inherently reject them. And my pushback to that is, hey, my sexuality is not my identity. It's a part of me, but it's not my whole identity. Mm -hmm. Why does that have to be yours? Let's be friends. Um, But there are some people who who can't handle it. So then – I'm start. I'm 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 realizing part of my takeaway when we do takeaways is that I'm kind of going about this wrong. So then, uh, if it's not about purposefully seeking out, you know, it's not about it notches on your Christian absolutely bedpost, right, right. Then what if I never connect with a person who's not a Christian? Am I doing? Am I is my oikos not fruitful then, or is it? Am I doing it wrong? 
or you know well let me i would answer it this way Mm -hmm. what are the odds you're going to go through the next five years of your life without encountering a non-christian well not 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 encountering them but i know follow my trail okay sure uh slim (laughs) very slim zero yeah well if you if you can't not encounter them then what's so challenging about being a friend with one I guess well, what I was trying to say was that platonic chemistry that we talked about last time. Oh, where it's like now yeah. we're now we're buddies, and, and that does happen easier with people who are of the same faith. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole birds of a feather flock together. Um, one of the reasons the, that America is so monochromatic is because uh, people do instinctively gather with people who feel, think, and live like them. You'll have, uh, you know, why is it that there will be Korean neighborhoods and white neighborhoods right. and Spanish like neighborhoods? Little Italy, Chinatown. Yeah, yeah, and that's because we, we're comfortable. We're, we're really comfortable with people who are culturally like us. Mm-hmm. So that's not offensive, but we all know the world's a better place with diversity. So we have to use a little effort and and pursue diversity and value people who are different than us. So maybe that's helpful. Um but I think what I think you're asking is, what if I can't make one of these people my best friend? Well, that, that's not that's not <laughs> what I meant. Really, I'm just I I was um, convicted before this that I don't have a not non Christian ties, mm-hmm. um, and it's only gotten worse throughout the episode. The mm-hmm. conviction. So <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, no, that's I mean it, when I should be convicted, I should be convicted. Yeah. So uh, um, I guess I'm trying to think of my next steps. Really, my takeaway has been when you talked about the the snowstorm last year, yeah, um, and a guy going in to pay in cash his, yeah. for his gas. Uh, really, the I think if I cared more, it would happen, and that's probably true with a lot of life. That if you if you really care about it and try, it'll come into fruition. Mm. So the fact that I wasn't looking for these opportunities meant I didn't even when because there was a I actually remember I was down in my in our apartment, which is below the parking lot, mm-hmm. and I could hear this car trying to get out. And it didn't even occur to me to go up there and help them. Oh, I see. So if I was looking for that, that would be a moment. Yeah. You know? Yep. And if I was if I was seeking out these opportunities. So so the conviction for me, the takeaway for me today is that um I have not because I have not looked for them. You know. Mm-hmm. I don't have these relationships because I haven't really um given it a real effort. Well, we go through life. I, I have two phrases, uh, head down, elbows up. Man, right. we're just we're just working hard plowing through and oblivious to what's going on around mm-hmm. us that's one thing the other is we're fat dumb and happy um i don't feel a need if you have enough friendships in your life i don't feel a need for more friends so why am i going to go try to create some mm-hmm. so those are two very real they lull us to sleep so you have to i think maybe the my takeaway is the first thing that has to happen maybe in my own heart is a desire for all people to flourish Hmm. To me, this is the birthplace. This is what God has that that is so hard for us humans to have. He wants everyone to flourish. Yeah, to love someone is to want their good. And so, if I could just become that guy, who everyone I see, cardboard guy at the corner, uh, person I'm checking out my groceries at the grocery store, mm-hmm. uh, whoever, that if I could, if I could somehow in my mind stay on the edge of. Man, I really want them to be blessed. Man, yeah. I really want them to. I want them to be fulfilled. I Instead want good of the for them. the suspicion, the what if they believe this thing I don't believe, or right? If they, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and I think for me, this is, boy, what's really turned a corner for me in this, and, and you talked about your brother, mm-hmm. and you got me thinking about your siblings, and I think that there was a season in their development where they would have perceived me as uh, judgmental or disconnected from people who don't think the way I do. Sure. And um, and they would not be wrong. It certainly wasn't my motive or desire, but it probably was my practice. And what two things changed my whole experience in this regard. One is the realization that it's not my job to control anyone. And, and I don't know why Christians feel so compelled to control people, to mm. control their sexuality, to control their morality, to control their behavior. That's We've never been asked by God to control each other. So once I realize I have no responsibility for your actions, mm-hmm. and I can release you to that, like I don't have to control that, that was huge. And then when I realized that the mission Jesus asked of me is just to love you, like I can love anyone, I can, yeah. because love is an action. It's not an emotion. It's not a moral agreement. They don't not, have to wait for you to feel it. You that's can, right. You can it's, do it. It's not an. It's not a feeling. It's not an intellectual assent. It is a decision, and so um, I can do that, and it's liberating. So, uh, man. I think we wrapped it up. Are we done? That, I mean, I was going to ask for your takeaway. That was a, that was a pretty succinct, <laughs> succinct little uh, bookend. Well, I'll tell you what. We hope that you've enjoyed this conversation and uh, maybe that you'll consider blessing the people in your traffic pattern. Believe up in prayer for them. Listen to them. Eat with them. Serve them. Share your story with them when appropriate. And uh, may the Lord give you fruitfulness and friendships of all kinds. That would be awesome. Hey, email us at info at jimandjohn.com. Yeah, please. And we'd love to enter your name into the drawing for the book. And thank you for listening. We really appreciate you guys. Have an awesome day. 